0: And I remember when Valentine's came. I mean, as soon as Aww. Christmas is over, they're decorating for Valentine's. I hated to go shop in any store because it says, be mine, you know, all Aww. these things. And I don't belong to anyone now. Mm-hmm.
1: This is Camus And this is Kylie. Welcome to God is Real, God is Good, a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big, miraculous ways all the way down to small, everyday things. Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God Is Good. I have Kathy with me today. Wanna say hi. 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 So Kathy Hartman, um, about three or four years ago I went to Mongolia um, with her mission.
0: Uplifting him ministries. Yes,
1: uplifting him ministries. I'm trying to like think of what you call it. It's not live to
0: give. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: It's not like a business. It's a I guess it's a mission. But yeah, I went with her. Uh, mission to Mongolia for seven weeks and Kathy um, I have known her a long time I think your dad your your father-in-law was just saying since about 2005 is when they moved to the area and I think we met you around then too and so I was the little one (laughs) Uh, but she um, she's shared a lot of like light, not just to me, but to my family. And I remember like, even when Kathy was in Mongolia, my mom would be like, yeah, and Kathy Hartman taught me how to do Sabbath school and she helped me do this. And I learned this from Kathy. And so she's always been a name in my home, even when she wasn't a face, um, but she's going to share some stories with us before we start on your story. So I'm going to pray. Okay. Okay. Um, dear Father in heaven, be with Kathy and I, as we record this episode, Um, please just be with us as we speak. Help the glory to go to you and help people to see um, how you're real and how you've worked in her life. Amen. Amen. Okay, Kathy. Um, Usually we start out by asking people where they're from.
0: Do you want to share where you're from? I was a pastor, missionary's kid, so I was kind of from all over. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are. (laughs) Uh,
1: Any specific place you call home,
0: well, I've lived in, my parents have lived in Michigan the longest, so mm-hmm. that's would be the last home. That would be the last home. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: And then um, next we usually ask, um, what is your religious background? Did you grow up in a Christian home? I mean, you just told us that. So. Yes,
0: I grew <laughs> up in a Christian home uh-huh. um, and have always loved Jesus and always wanted to be his and live for him.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. I love little kids that have that passion. It's good to see. All right, so you have stories to tell us about how you know God's real.
0: Yeah, when you said, you know, God is real, this story, my experience came vividly back to my mind, mm-hmm. and my first husband, Brad, died in 1998, and I had two little girls. They were two and three years old when he died, mm-hmm. and it was it was a real, real difficult time to go through, and I... God was so close during that time. I felt Him carrying me through that experience. I mean, I I needed to go to church on Sabbath and get those hugs. And then, even though the girls were too little to go to prayer meeting, we went because I needed midweek hugs to get me oh. to, <laughs> to the next Saturday. Yeah. Um. And so it was, you know, very, uh, a, a very hard time, but God was so real during all of that. Then in the spring, um, I met Curtis, my current husband mm-hmm. and you know, I was just so unsure is this what God is wanting? you know was I, I was grappling with that. I remember one morning I read the bible story from a Bible story book to my girls about when Jesus came of age, and you know he He'd heard someone came in and told him about John the Baptist, and he cleaned up his shop, put the tools away, swept it all up, and then went and said goodbye to his mom, and then went to go start his ministry
1: mm-hmm.
0: and right at that time, you know, I've been a missionary and you know in Mongolia, and you know all the memories of what it was like to leave you know came flooding back, and I was like, "Wow, I'd really like to." to read more about this story. I don't remember reading it before. And so that, you know, I waited till the evening, put the kids to bed. And then I pulled out the book Desire of Ages, which is about Jesus life. Mm -hmm. And I was searching for this story and it's not there. Uh And I kind of felt like, you mean that other guy just made up this (laughs) story? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I kept reading in Desire of Ages and, you know, it goes right into his baptism. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went ahead and I read that story and it, Talks about when he came up out of the water, that he was praying, and the Holy Spirit came down. And but as he's praying, all the angels in heaven are just eager to come and answer his prayer. Uh-huh. And God just kind of holds them back. And says, "No, I'm going to answer myself. Mm. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And I went to to sleep with that thought. God Himself answered that would be so awesome to have an experience where God himself answers. Mm-hmm. And so those were my last thoughts as I went to sleep that night. And my kids were preschoolers, so I would you know, typically wake up between 12 and 2 and go take them to the bathroom so there'd be no accident. Yeah. And, and then I went back to bed, and I, I laid back down. And as I laid down, God was there, mm. right there. And I turned the other way, and he was there. It was like he was all around me. Wow. And in the Bible, it says God is love. And I knew he was love. Mm -hmm. But here in this this experience, he was trust. Mm. You could trust him. I could trust him. I had so many, like, why did my husband die? But I wouldn't let myself ask that question Mm -hmm. because I knew it would take me away from God Mm. questioning him. So I wouldn't allow myself to even question. Mm -hmm. And... We had people all around the world were praying for Brad's healing and recovery. I had several boxes full of cards and letters. Wow. You know, we're praying for you. Our church is praying for you. Our prayer group's praying for you. And yet he died.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to come, sometimes to come to terms with God. Why, why didn't you answer my prayer the way mm-hmm. I wanted it answered? In the way that you think, God, this is the best way. Right. Oh, I mean, wow. here's
0: a, a man who loved God and was working for God, doing everything he could and with a powerful ministry, and yet, you know, he was allowed to die. And, and so now I'm looking at getting into a new relationship, and I have two little girls. And I said, Mom, you want to protect your girls, and you don't, you just don't know the future. Mm-hmm. You know, so those kinds of things were in, in my mind, you know. I'd had one good marriage, and they're rare to find a good marriage. Is it possible to have two good marriages? Mm -hmm. You know, and so all these things,
1: you know, had had led up to my... Yeah, and now you don't only have to, like, you know, pick out your husband and the father for the future children that would be together children, but now a father for children that aren't necessarily his. Like, Mm -hmm. he can claim them his, but not all
0: men do. Mm -hmm. And so here God says, I am trust. And... It was such a healing experience to feel God Mm -hmm. all around me Mm -hmm. and that he was trust. And I have to say that following God through that has been powerful. Mm -hmm. Curtis is a wonderful husband. Mm -hmm. And I think the kids love him more, <laughs> if you can say that, you know they just yeah. adore him, and he adopted them, and they were his kids as well. Uh huh. And I can just see how God worked it all out, mm-hmm. and that that's the best thing is to trust Him, even mm-hmm. when we don't understand.
1: Uh huh. That's There's so that, awesome. You know. So, what does um you talk, This is the ending of kind of that grieving process. But what did it look like before all of this? Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, The world says that there's five stages of grief to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, denial, anger, depression, and whatever, and finally acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I had already been... um, I struggled with depression before I was able to have our first child. I had had miscarriages, and Mm -hmm. it was just devastating to Mm deal with. We were in Mongolia, no support system around at that time and I was so naive I didn't even realize people had miscarriages and it was just really shocking yeah to lose our first child and the sadness of that it was and to make it worse um because my language skills were not so good. Uh-huh. And so I saved the little embryo and I took it to the doctor in a jar so I could try to explain to her, I'm not pregnant anymore. Uh-huh. you know. And so she just had a fit and went in and did a DNC on me and with it wasn't sterile oh, and no. less than a week later I ended up in septic shock and oh my goodness should have died <gasps> and God saw fit to save my life and that's a whole long story there yeah, <laughs> yeah. you can share that one too <laughs> <laughs> uh. and and so um I was very weak after that and um Just no energy at all in in the recovery, anemic. And and she suggested I wait a year or two before we try to have another child. And I remember that fall I was asked to to be a kindergarten teacher for the first international school. It was just opening. That was just so much fun. Is that the school that's there in Mongolia now? It was like just an international school okay, it, was, it okay. wasn't the
1: Adventist one no, okay no okay
0: because there weren't Adventists yet not yet just you <laughs> guys, just <us> guys. Oh. <laughs> and so I enjoyed teaching so much it was just so much fun and I remember as I got on the bus to go home one day I didn't want to take another breath it was too much work to breathe in again mm. and it was then that I realized I'm depressed. Aww. I'm having the greatest fun in my life. But at the same time, uh-huh. I was depressed. And I, I got home and I told Brad about what happened. And he said, Kathy, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is hope. Mm. Christians have hope. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I clung to, to get out of the, the depression. Mm-hmm. And as I'm a Christian, I have hope. Mm-hmm. And that helped me. And so being told that, you know, depression is a stage I have to go through mm-hmm. in grief recovery, I was like, God, I don't want to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Then another stage we're supposed to go through is anger. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of anger inside of me. At uh, that time, I was a volcano, and you never knew when I would explode and who I would explode at. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, I was not I'm proud of that, but it it's not a Christian to be a volcanic, have volcanic anger. You know? <laughs> and when I had my first child then, I pled with God to take this anger out of me. Mm-hmm. It was Anger was the only emotion I really knew. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, we have lots of words for anger, frustrated, irritated, annoyed, yep. <laughs> you know, and it just goes on it and does. on in our culture. In Mongolia, they have one word. And so if you're slightly irritated or annoyed about something, they'll say, you're angry. And we'll say, as Americans, no, I'm not angry. You know, anger anger has to be a certain level of Uh anger before it's anger. Yeah, I'm just frustrated. I'm annoyed. Put off. (laughs) But in their language, it's one word, and it's, you know, all together. So, Uh Yeah. And so that was really eye opening for me. And so when I had my first child, then I pled with God, please take this anger. Because I just live with a constant twisted knot in my mm. stomach. You know, that for me, that's where anger feels, it's uh-huh. in my stomach. And God took it away. And I was so thankful because I didn't want to be angry raising my children. Mm-hmm. And so then when I'm told as in grief, I have to go through anger, it's like, no, God. I don't want to go through that. And so there's a verse in the Bible in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It says, verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. And we as Christians don't have to grieve like the world grieves. Mm -hmm. And so I just hung on to this promise through after my husband died. I don't have to grieve like the world grieves, mm. and so because it's like
1: you said, we have hope. We have hope that again, there's that we hope will meet, again. That we will meet in heaven. We uh-huh. like, do,
0: yeah. Aww. And so for me, grief was I kept it current. Mm-hmm. I was I wouldn't stuff it. So if I were driving down the street and I see a couple walking holding hands, oh. cry. Yeah. You know, don't stuff it inside.
1: Yeah, you know.
0: Grieve that I don't have that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, you know, in the grocery store, there's a daddy holding his little girl in his arms as he's going shopping. I would cry. You know, mm-hmm. just let it out. Don't stuff it. Yeah. I would keep telling myself, you know, you don't get a soggy heart. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let the tears out <laughs> so the heart stays healthy. <laughs> uh, uh, and so, like I said before, I had to go... Church and prayer meeting helped take me through, give me the hugs. Because after, um, in our our marriage, we'd always done everything together. In mission service, we were the office, the church, everything was in our home. So we were together Mm 24-7. And then when he died, there was such a huge, like, gulf of emptiness. Mm -hmm. It was a bottomless pit. Because
1: you guys really were, like, as a husband and wife, are supposed to be, like, life partners. Like, not just... The person you have children with, the person you come home to—you guys
0: were living life together. It was a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I just miss that so much, and so over and over, God would show me different Bible verses. And one chapter that was really, really helpful was Isaiah forty-three, because there's so many beautiful promises in there. Isaiah forty-three says. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You are mine.
1: Mm. And I remember
0: when Valentine's count. I mean, as soon as Aww. Christmas is over, they're decorating for Valentine's. I hated to go shop in any store because it says, be mine. You know, all Aww. these things. And I've don't belong to anyone now mm-hmm. you know but then I found Isaiah 43 I have called you by your name you are mine and so it's like oh God claims me oh. and so that was so helpful and then you're precious in my sight in verse four I have loved you and all these ones that you know I've given I call you by my name you know because I'm no one was calling me by you know their yeah. name anymore yeah. you know and oh. we we take our husband's name now yeah. in this in our culture mm-hmm. and and so there in Isaiah 43 it had these promises and then I found that he said I am your husband mm. and that was just okay God you know so he just became my all in all mm-hmm. and you know having small children they went to bed at seven and the rest of the evening was just god and me Mm. and so we became so close because he carried me through all these these emotional things because
1: like you as a wife you would uh we're supposed to you know depend on our husbands and you would learn that but now you had to relearn to depend fully on god Mm -hmm. which is sad and but awesome for your spiritual life but very
0: real oh so he was very real and as you think, God is real, God is good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And he was so good. I, was, I look back in my life, and that is a time where I felt closest to God.
1: Mm-hmm. When he, when you had to depend on him. That's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Aww.
0: So when he showed me that he also has trust, that I can trust him and mm-hmm. my daughters, mm-hmm. you know, to his plan, mm-hmm. which is a good plan. Mm-hmm.
1: I know somebody recently, I think ellen it's an Ellen White quote about, or maybe it's Bible, I don't know, but about if we could see God's plan, you know, and we could see the God's end plan, that we would, you know, be okay with it, but we can't. We only see what we see now. And it's hard to trust that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so you said you almost lost your life when you had your TNC. Do you want to tell more about that story and how God preserved your
0: life? Sure. Okay. Um, we were so excited. This was our first baby. Aww. And... We got to the four-month mark and we're just, everyone's mm-hmm. excited, you know. And and we had in our, we had a, a one room, we lived in one room and then it had a bathroom and a small kitchen and another room a Mongolian couple lived in. Mm-hmm. And so we were actually having a Bible study at the time
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I lost the baby I'm in the bathroom, and I have no place to even lay down. Because mm. in our one room, there are so many young people. They're sitting on the bed. All, they're just covering the whole room. Yes, <laughs> yes. So finally when they left, then I went to bed. And it was it was just devastating. I remember Brad wrote about it in his journal. I mean, you could see the, the little fingers were just starting to form. Mm. And... And he wrote about, you know, never be able to to hold those little fingers, those little hands, oh and how sad it was. But yet, this child would not, would not have to go through the pain of a sinful life in this world. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus comes, would be able to be raised in heaven, oh. in a perfect home, with mm-hmm. a perfect atmosphere, yeah. you know. And it was just really hard. So anyhow... Um, that was on a Friday. Um, I did not get better. Mm. No, no, no. That's, that, I'm sorry. The miscarriage. Okay, so that was Friday. But, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm mixing it after the DNC. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Monday I went to my doctor. Mm-hmm. And so she did the DNC then. Mm-hmm. They put me in a room with other Mongolians who had abortions. Oh. And here I wanted my baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was devastated at its loss. And I have other young girls in here who didn't want their baby. And it was it was just so hard. And I remember, you know, they're so excited to have a foreigner mm-hmm. in the room. And they wanted to make friends with me and keep in touch afterwards. I couldn't. Aww. Emotionally, I couldn't. No. Oh. And so... um. I was eager to get home and got home and, um, by the end of the week, by Friday, uh, Brad went and to, uh, there was a midwife, a foreign midwife that there, and he was saying, you know, Kathy has a fever and it's, you know, she's not getting better and explained what had happened. And she said, well, if it goes up, you need to go back to the hospital So he came home, and that Friday night, my fever went just really high. And so he got me down into a taxi. We went to the hospital. And this Mongolian hospital has doors on all different floors. It's it's very strange. (laughs) (laughs) And so we went to the door we'd always gone to. And it's after hours, but we don't realize that you have to go to a different door. So he's there oh, pounding no. on the door. I've passed out on on the ground there, and he's pounding on the door. Finally, someone hears and comes. And it was a miracle that my doctor was on—you know in the hospital that weekend. It was her weekend to be there. Uh-huh. So they get me up in there, and I don't remember much of that night. They got me hooked up to IVs. I remember Brad slapping my face, oh, wow. trying to get me to swallow spoonfuls of water mm-hmm. now and then, but I don't oh, remember wow. much. And not being a medical person, I didn't learn until years later when I shared my te- this testimony. Someone said, do you know how rare it is for anyone to live Oh wow! After they've been in septic shock, he oh. says, "Do you realize what a small <laughs> oh wow percent you had?" You know, uh, I didn't know. <laughs> uh, so, the Sabbath morning, I woke up and I woke up and Brad was there and I was alive and <laughs> <laughs> and I and he came over and I wanted him to sing. Peace, peace, wonderful peace mm. coming down from our Father above. And we named that little baby Tavin Bethik, which is gift of peace in Mongolian. And so, even though we'd gone through this hard time, it was still a gift of peace from God. And God was there and, and saw fit to preserve my life. Mm-hmm. And this time, the doctor kept me in the hospital much longer to make sure I was fully recovered. Oh. <laughs> oh. So finally, when we went back home, we needed to move out of the stressful situation of living with this Mongolian couple, which is a whole other story. And so we, we were able to rent a room, and they were running a hotel. It was just apartment rooms. But we rented there for a while. And it wasn't too long later that Brad wanted us to climb a mountain <laughs> on a Sabbath <laughs> It is just a few weeks later. Uh-huh. You know. I have no energy for this. And anyhow, I took it slow. We get up there. And on this peak of a mountain, there's a, a big rock. Mm-hmm. And we sit there, and we can overlook all of Mm Ulaanbaatar. We can see the dormitory where we first lived. We can see the Hope Center where we just moved out of. We can see, you know, where we're living now. And, you know, these different things that had happened so far in our short time in the country. And, you know, our apartment... Look, just a quarter of an—not even a quarter of an inch—you mm-hmm. know—from that distance. Yeah, it was so small. Mm-hmm. And our problems around us at that time were so huge. You know, we were—we weren't even thirty yet. Oh wow! <laughs> and you know, we had been gung ho to go and be missionaries in Mongolia, full of enthusiasm. And we have a tape recording. We says record tapes and then send them home uh, before email. And <laughs> we Aww. are both talking monotone. Uh-huh. We are both <laughs> so, <laughs> um. so down. <laughs> because we live with the constant pressure of, you know, they're going to kick all the foreigners out of the country. Mm. And just living with that constant the stress, the stress of our, the couple we were, that was living with us, you know, then the miscarriage, nearly losing my life, you know, all this. Mm-hmm. And then all these problems going on. And then to be on top of that mountain and see that our apartment is only that little teeny tiny. And this is on a world that is only small, a speck in oh. the whole universe. And yet God loves us. And He is the one in control of all these things. It, it just put our problems in perspective of the Almighty God.
1: Sometimes we really need that. Sometimes, because like you're saying, you're in the midst of this. And it, it is a lot for us, and we can't handle it on our own. We need God. But then seeing the perspective of how big He is and how much He can control us. Like, wow. Wow. All right, God. <laughs> I do trust you. <laughs> oh oh that's so awesome having hope in god and trusting Mm -hmm. him thank you so much for sharing kathy and all you guys have a good week bye if you've enjoyed today's episode don't forget to follow share like and review also you can contact us at our facebook page that is god is real god is good podcast or you can email us at god is real god is good podcast at gmail.com
0: bye